Jesus comes. No one knows the day or the hour when God is going to crack the sky. And we should all be ready for when Jesus comes. Amen. Amen. We thank God for this choir on today. And we thank God for the musicians. Thank God for our ushers serving on today. Amen. As we prepare ourselves for when Jesus will return, we should be doing our best to get closer to God. And I don't know about you, but every day I want to get closer and closer. Every day I realize that I need him more and more in my life. Amen. Amen. You would turn with me to the gospel according to Luke. Chapter 15, a very familiar text on any homecoming, Luke chapter 15. As you turn there, I'm reminded of a song that says, I need thee, oh Lord, I need thee, every hour, I need thee. Amen. Luke 15, starting at verse 11, I will be reading from the Common English Translation. Luke 15, verse 11, says, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and, began to, and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I am starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went on, went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. The word of God for God's people. For a few moments this morning, I'm going to preach from the subject, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Lord God, we just thank you and we honor you on today for being so gracious, so loving, and so kind to us, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you for reminding us through the scriptures, Lord God, how much you love for us, love us, and care for us, Lord God. And Lord God, we just thank you for all that you continue to do in our life. Lord God, even when we walk away from you, Lord God, and find ourselves separated by the decisions that we make, Lord God, we just thank you for taking us back in, for your grace and mercy abounding in our life. Lord God, we thank you for what has taken place thus far in this worship service on today. And Lord God, we thank you for your word that is a lamp into our feet and a light into our pathway. We ask that you would open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive from you on this day so we may take your word and apply it to our lives, Lord God, and be great testifiers of how good you have been to us as we build up your kingdom. Lord God, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's no place like home. Many of us have seen the movie The Wizard of Oz, or we've seen the movie The Wiz, and many of us can testify to the fact that there's no place like home. I want us to think about, uh, maybe it wasn't your, the household you necessarily grew up in, Maybe it wasn't the healthiest, but a healthy household has some things that helps raise children to be the people that God would have them to be. Maybe it was a household with your parents in it. Maybe you were raised by your grandmother and grandfather. Maybe you were raised by an aunt and uncle. Maybe you had a neighbor who looked out for you, but you realized that that was a place that you could call home. And you realize that when you had to leave that place and go out into this world, which can be scary at times, and uh, unforgiving, when you return to that place, you realize that there was no place like home. Food didn't always taste the way that mama and big mama made it. You didn't always get the love that they shared with you from the world. But you realize that coming back to that place reminded you of good memories and, and good thoughts and experiences that you had and you realized that there was no place like home. And here in our text on today, we have a young man, not sure of his age, but we have a young man who journeyed out into the world and he realized that there was no place like home. This is, as I stated before, a very familiar text that many people preach on homecoming and they look at it from the son's perspective, but I want us to take a look at it from the father's perspective. Many times we don't focus on our attention in this text on what the father may have been thinking and what the father may have been going through and what the father may have been experienced as his son asked for all that belonged to him, 
all that was going to be passed down to him, and he journeyed out into the world, and this text says that he spent his wealth on extravagant living. This text was very nice to the man, young man, because <laughs> in some translations it says that he squandered his wealth. And not only did he squander his wealth, but he spent it on partying and all types of living. And I'll just keep it PG for us on today. But as we, we think about home and we, we think about the memories that we were able to share with family and, and, and our loved ones, we, we, there's some things that I, I see pointed out in this text that help us to realize what it's like to be... Uh, in a healthy household, but also I want to relate it to being in a healthy church and being a part of the kingdom. When we think about home and we think about venturing out into the world, the first thing that comes to uh, me in this text and helps me to realize what a healthy household needs is patience. There was patience that this young man uh, that came from the father to this young man. As we take a look at verse 11, it says, a certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. The father had to have some patience with this young man. Many of us, we, we realize that our children don't always know what they're doing. Our children don't always know what they're asking for. Sometimes as children, and, 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 and we've all been there with our parents or with our grandparents, whoever raised us, and we ask for things that we aren't necessarily ready for. We ask for things that we, we, we see and that we want and that we desire, but we're always not ready to receive those things. But our parents hopefully had patience with us and helped us to understand that, yes, even though you want those things, you may not be ready for it, but they allowed us to experience life, and they gave those things to us. Yes. In a healthy home environment, there should be patience. And again, we see that the father divided the estate between the sons, even though he knew they were not necessarily ready to receive it. From a father's perspective, he had to trust that he prepared them for life and what it was up to his sons to make the right decisions with what they were given. The same is in our relationship with God. We ask God for what is what God has in store for us. And if we are honest with ourselves, we're not always ready to receive those things. When God blesses us, we have to remember to be good stewards of over what God has given unto us. Throughout the Bible, we see God shows his patience with his children. We can go back to the Old Testament and we can look at the lifestyle of the children of Israel and all the bad decisions that they made and all the things that they wanted and desired, but God allowed them to make that choice and that decision. And that's the great thing about our relationship with God. He gives us the opportunity to make a decision. Even though we don't always seem ready to receive those things, God leaves it up to us to receive those things and hopefully we're prepared enough to receive it and not go out into the world and squander it. How many of us have asked for things from God and we thought we were ready to receive all that God had in store for us 
And God blessed us with those things, but we went off and squandered them. I didn't get too many amens on that one. Well, we made some bad decisions in our life, but the good thing about it is, is that God was with us each and every step of the way. We see that this young man, he went off into this land, a, a faraway land, and he squandered his, his, his wealth. But I believe that part of the patience that the father had, that he was praying for his son the whole time. That he knew his son was going to do some things that probably he didn't uh, recommend of, but he was praying for his son the whole time. I can imagine that the father worried about him day and night, that the father wanted to send out those to uh, seek out his son and see what he was doing, that the father had patience and he used prayer as a mechanism to help him through yes. this situation. Yes. And many times in our life, we, we find ourselves going out into the world and we have people that are praying for us, thank God. We have our parents praying for us. We have our loved ones praying for us. We have church members praying for us because we don't always do what God wants us to do. There's no place like home. Not only with patience in the household, but we also see that there's provision in the household. We see that this father, he, he was one who was able, he owned property and he owned land and he had some other things, and he was able to provide for his sons. It says that the young man, he asked for his part of the inheritance. And in order to have an inheritance, that means you have to own something. In order to pass down things from generation to generation, you have to own something. So the father, looking at it from his perspective, he did what he needed to do in order to pass down things to generation after generation. We see that he gave his son his part of the inheritance. He gave his other son his part of the inheritance. One son stayed at home. The other went out in a faraway land and squandered his, his, his wealth on partying, partying and doing all types of ungodly things. But the good thing is to know that he was able to pass down something to his children. But not only that, if we go further on in the text, it, it lets us know that when the young man came back, it says when he came to his senses, when he got his mind together, it said that he realized that his father's hired servants or hired hands were eating all types of food or had enough food. They had enough. So not only did he have enough for his family, but he also had enough to feed other people and take care of, of other people. And what that helps us to realize is the importance of going back to stewardship, that we have to be careful of what God blesses us with. And there's some great lessons that we can take from this text on stewardship, but that's not necessarily our focus on today. But after the young man came back, it said the father saw him afar off and he was filled with compassion I'm thinking about the, the patience that he had and the prayer that he was lifting up and he was glad that his son was coming back home and he told his servants to go get the best robe, go get the ring, go get the sandals for his feet and let's kill the fatted calf and let's celebrate. In the same way is with God. God has so many great things in store for us and yes, we see some things that God blesses us with 
But the good news is that God has more for us waiting. And sometimes we can't be so quick to take all that we see and not wait on what else God has in store for us. We also have to realize is that when we do mess up, when we do get it wrong, that God loves us so much that when we come back to him, he still has stuff in store for us. His grace and his mercy abounds. Said that the father was filled with compassion. It, it lets us know that the father ran to him and he kissed him and he hugged him. And he told him that everything was going to be all right. I'm just so glad that you're home. I'm glad that you're okay. And we, we're going to celebrate. And we'll get to that in a moment. But we're, we're going to celebrate all that God has delivered you from. It said he came to his senses. It lets us know that he, he blessed them even more when he came home. It lets us know that he celebrated. And even though, again, when we mess up, God still loves us. God still cares for us. And God wants us to see us at our best. It doesn't matter how many times you mess up. It doesn't matter how many times you make bad decisions. It doesn't matter how many times you get it wrong. Because the Bible lets us know that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm so glad that because of my relationship with God through Jesus the Christ, that even when I'm in a jacked up situation, I can still go back to the Father. And he has some great things in store for me. I don't know about you, but I get it wrong sometimes. I don't always say the right things. I don't always do the right things. Y'all are probably looking at me and saying, you're a preacher. You're supposed to say the right things. You're supposed to do the right things, but I'm also human. And I'm not using that as an excuse, but I'm using it as my testimony to let you know that God is good. So we have patience shown by the Father. We have provision shown by the Father, but we also have praise which is shown in this household. This father, as his son came back, again, it lets us know that he didn't scold him. He, 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 he didn't yell at him. He didn't cuss him out. He didn't beat him. But he showed compassion because his son was now back at home. It lets us know, again, that he told his servants to go get the best robe, to go get a ring for him and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet, fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it because he said, we must celebrate with feasting. In other words, he was willing to praise, not his son, but to praise God for bringing his son back to him. He said that we must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. I believe that part of the, the father's patience, going back to that for a moment, the father understood what was going to happen when his son went out into the world. And I believe the father understood what was going, could, could possibly happen when his son went out to the world because he experienced some things in his life. He probably experienced some lifestyle that was not 
worthy of, of God's praise and God's glory, but he came to the realization in his maturity as a parent to realize that my sons are going to mess up at times, but I'm so glad that he was dead, but now he's come back to life. He was lost and is found. And so many times in our life, our parents are praying for us and our grandparents are praying for us and they let us experience life and they celebrate when we come back home because we were once lost and now we're found. We were once dead and now we are alive. And that's reason to give God some praise on today because we didn't stay in the situation that we found ourselves in. He came to his senses. That means he's got his mind right. That means he got himself together. And he got to a point where he realized that he needed to go back home. Home, a place of security. Home, a place of love. Home, a place of nurturing. That's what home really is. And that's what God is calling us to. God is calling us to a place of love. God is calling us to a place of security. God is calling us to a place of nurturing as we're in relationship with him. And so much is going on in this world. We need more love. We need more security. We need more nurturing in our lives. We can look at the news and read the newspapers and read the blogs and look at Facebook and for, for, for our young people, look at Instagram and Snapchat and all these social media websites. And we can look and see all the crazy things that are going on in this world. And I believe that if there were more people who realized what home was like, what a healthy home was like, that they would not do the things that they do. There was praise that the father had because his son came back home. And I'm so glad to see so many of you on today. You've come back home. You came to a place where you were raised in love. You came back to a place where you were nurtured and built up to be the people that God wants you to be. You came to a place of security. And if we look down all through the years and we go back 152 years as we'll celebrate 152 years this year, we can look at all the love. We can look at all the security. We can look at all the nurturing that has taken place over 152 years. When the world turned against you. When people talked about you, you could come back home. When people didn't look out for your best interests, you could come back home. When the enemy was out there trying to get you and trying to do all manners of evil against you, you could always come back home. And that's what God wants us to realize, that he doesn't need you to walk away. He doesn't need you to give up hope. He doesn't need you to throw in the towel on your relationship with him. I know you may be going through things in your life and things aren't working out the way that you always expect them to or want them to. But God wants you to come back home. And I don't know who's here on today who doesn't feel like they're at home, not physically, but spiritually. And sometimes mentally and emotionally, you feel like you're out there by yourself. You feel like you're walking this place on your own. But I'm here to let you know God is calling you back home. God is calling you because he has some patience for you. He knows that you won't always get it right. He knows that you won't always do what you're supposed to do. But God sent his only begotten son 
so we can be in a right relationship with him, so that our sins could be accounted for, so that we can have grace and mercy abounding in our life. But not only did he provide the patience that we need in order to be better people, but he also provided for us and blessing us over and over again. Not only material blessings, but he provided us with peace. He provided us with joy. He provided us with self-control and all types of things that he's provided us with that only God can give. I once read in God's word that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And anything that I need, anything that I want and desire, as long as it lines up with the Father's will, he provides those things for me. He has patience, he has provision, but he also has praise. But when you do get it right, when you do come to your senses, when you do turn your life around, he's willing and standing and able to give you the praise that he wants to give you. Not because you've done it all by yourself, but he's praising the fact that you've come back into a relationship with him. And I want to know if there's anybody in the house on today who's able, who can testify to the fact that you've turned your life around. You, you've gotten it right. You've come to your senses and you realize that God is the only way. You realize that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, you wouldn't be able to make it through. You realize if it wasn't for the Lord who was able to see you through and walk you through the valleys of the shadow of death, you would not have made it. If you realize that God has done everything that you could ever ask for in your life, you should ought to give God some praise on today. You ought to give God some honor on today. You ought to give God some glory on today because there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And I'm not asking you to click your heels three times. I'm just asking you to give God some praise on today because there's no place like home. You might not been like Dorothy and may have had tornadoes in your life, but you've experienced some things in your life and you realize that there's no place like home. God has brought us through so many things. God has delivered us through so many things. God has provided for us over and over again. This past Wednesday, we, as I stated, we were in revival with New Zion. And the text of the, the theme of their, their uh, revival was a healthy and fruitful relationship with God or with the Lord. And we used John 15 as the text. And Jesus, he's teaching his disciples and he, he's, he's using this as a teachable moment. He's preparing himself to go to the cross. And he's trying to get his disciples ready to realize that he's not going to be with them physically anymore. They've been walking the earth with him for three years and learning from him and learning how to be fishers of men. And now Jesus is saying that I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to another place, but I still need you to carry on. And he uses that text and he, 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 he says that I am the vine and you are the branches. And my father is the vine dresser. And those things, they, they all have individual roles, but they come together as a collective to put forth fruit. And God is calling us into a closer relationship. 
God is expecting us each and every day to get closer and closer to him. And how do we get closer and closer to him? Through prayer, through meditation, on the word of God, through reading God's word, by being in fellowship with other believers. That's how we grow in our relationship with God. And he's expecting us. He's standing with open arms, inviting us into a closer relationship with him. Because we have a duty and responsibility as his children to bear good fruit. We have a duty and a responsibility not to just bear some fruit, but to bear more fruit. And once we bear more fruit, we should be able to bear much fruit. But the sad reality is that I've heard this over and over again, that Christianity is the most laziest religion. And I, I, I don't believe that. And I hear people say that because they say we don't study and we don't take God seriously. But I just believe that there's some people in here on today who takes God seriously. I believe that there's some people in here on today who wants a closer walk with the Lord to be able to bear more fruit in their life. And so we just honor God. We praise God. And as I stated before, that there's that song that says, I need thee. Oh, Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. So bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. And is there anyone here on today? And we extend the invitation.